one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace case, if you know me, and you do, mm-hmm. you know that I'm yep. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll- I a bachelor. Uh, that book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knudsen crushes only 100% real ingredients, so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. Uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums and your skin is gonna feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact, mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. 
It's the game of roses. Welcome to the game of roses. This is the game of roses. Welcome to the game of roses. I will not date a cheater. Can I tell you? Please. Okay. So, yes, I've cheated in my past. My first girlfriend, we started dating. And we were in love. <laughs> I met another girl, and I later met up with that girl at a bowling alley, a bowlerama, and I French kissed her while I was still dating Emmy. Um, it was like on my first girlfriend in sixth grade. And that's my cheating story. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues, and we have a game to discuss tonight. A lot happened, and a lot's been happening in this entire season. This was maybe one of the most lackluster episodes I think we've seen, but even in this, there were some huge, huge plays. Sporadic. Not the kind of whirlwind, crazy plays that we've seen in the past couple of weeks, but there were a couple of big ones sprinkled throughout what was largely a void of no content whatsoever, <laughs> led by Joe, 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 Joe. Why is she here? What is she doing? Joe, 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 Joe was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. She's barely present. Jojo, 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 does not get my Jorge Moreno bystander of the week because I will not demean the award by giving it to her. I've demeaned the award. She has demeaned the award. But as always, we get ahead of ourselves. We have to start this breakdown of all the best players, all the best plays, the errors, and everything that went on in tonight's game by saying, and now, Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. We start off with a promo. This is going to be the lie detector episode. And Zaxi has cheated. We're going to get to the lie detector episode. I have a lot to say about it. Because these (laughs) fucking things are never real. This is some producer bullshit. But they promo it because that's going to be the big event. The big set piece of this episode. But when we get into the main meat of our meal... It opens with the guys in the common room, and Zach C. and Ben are discussing how happy they are that Tasha is on the two-on-one with Noah and Bennett, that she's handling her business as though this was her idea at all, as though she had literally anything to do with putting those two guys in a fucking room, and it wasn't the producers setting it all up from the very beginning. Yeah, Ben in his ITM is like, this, is, this just shows her great character. Like, what? This shows nothing about Taisha in the slightest. And then they proceed to throw the last three minutes of last week's episode in our face, shot for shot. It's just a straight replay of everything we've seen last week, leading up to Noah and Bennett bickering, 
And then Tasha asking, what's in the box? That was what we ended last week's episode on, her saying, what's in the box? We thought that was going to be the big cliffhanger and she was going to look into the box. We don't even see her touch the box. We don't see her take any of the items out, have anyone explain it. What a letdown. And even more of a letdown is the remainder of this two-on-one, which begins with Bennett having some one-on-one time with Tasha. And Tasha asks him if he's ever questioned her integrity. He says no. She tells him that he doesn't have the right to tell another person they can't end up with her. She gets to make the choice. And him saying that Noah has a 0% chance is essentially questioning her integrity. This is all acting. Bennett is correct. Noah does have a 0% chance of winding up with Tasha. She knows that. <laughs> the producers know that. Everyone on this show at La Quinta knows that is the case. Bennett also has a 0% chance. They all know that. She's already selected her top three. They are not among them. So this entire scene is 100% acting, especially on Tasha's part. They know it's not a cliffhanger at all that they show him in the promo for the lie detector date, which hasn't happened. So, I mean, they're just getting very loosey-goosey with these promos and who they're showing in them, posting the top seven on their Instagram page. What is happening? I would be willing to bet they have someone new in marketing this season because Mm. they have made so many fucking errors of this very nature where they're revealing spoilers about their own show, either on their Instagram or in the promos they're releasing. It just makes no sense to me that anybody who has been around the show for any length of time would be making these errors. Speaking of errors, back on the two-on-one, Bennett goes back into the weeds with this fucking EQ iq shit there's four elements of emotional intelligence and i've witnessed deficiencies in three of the four with noah i have a hard time seeing this thoughtful strong-minded beautiful woman ending up with him i want nothing more than to love you up that's why i'm here uses the exact phrasing that he said to noah about the box he wanted to love him up and he apologizes in the end of this one-on-one time and says you got this and she is stone-faced to him. This is not working. And then Noah gets his chance at the plate. And he tells Tasha that Bennett is condescending. And he explains what was in the gift. He says that he gave him this book, this emotional intelligence book. And he says that Bennett talks to people like they're less than. And he thinks eventually Bennett is going to talk to her that way. And he cares about her. He says, I, I can take the brunt of this. I don't care if Bennett makes fun of me and talks down to me, but eventually if you wind up with this guy, he's going to do the same thing to you. And he almost conjures tears. He's very close to doing it because he says, I don't it's think anybody should be solid effort. talked down to. It was a great effort. He apologizes to her and he says, hey, I said everything I said because I need you to hear this information to make your own decision. He's playing the opposite of Bennett's game here. He's saying, I know you got this. You just need the information. And before he leaves her, he gets a hug out of this deal, more than Bennett got. So we see a little sign of physical affection here that maybe Noah's game in this two-on-one is working. And two-on-ones notoriously are difficult. Absolutely. This isn't even really a true two-on-one. It's a horribly last-minute manufactured two-on-one before a rose ceremony cocktails date. They should have made him walk into the desert. Of Palm Springs. They should have made him play fucking pickleball. <laughs> we still haven't seen pickleball. I am starting to get scared we're not going to. 
Maybe they'll make the families play pickleball. We'll get to the families too. What the fuck is going on with that? It probably would make them sweat too much and they're already sweating fucking balls this episode. It's like the wettest face episode ever. So after the one-on-one times, the guys have a little final barb exchange. Tasha walks the grounds at night, I guess, you know, pondering who she's going to give this two-on-one rose to. Meanwhile, she doesn't care. The producers have already told her who it's going to. She comes in, picks up the rose, the music swells, and she sits between them. She gives two speeches. Both include the phrase, I have enjoyed getting to know you, and you make me feel special. And then she delivers the negatives to each of them. Bennett, you're condescending. Noah, you're not ready for marriage. This is the setup. And then we get literally 30 seconds of dramatic music as she stares them both down without saying a word. They are trying to build drama here. They are failing. And then she dismisses Bennett and walks him out. They both say, I'm sorry about a hundred times. Bennett gets in the car. He says, I hope you find what you're looking for. A lot of great guys here. And in the car, he says, that was a curveball that I didn't see coming. He asks her, he's like, is this really happening? He is having a full on mental break. He's in another time and place. But he's really just trying to eke out some semblance of a 4TRR game here so that he can wind up on Paradise. He doesn't actually give a fuck about any of this. Yeah. Bennett is a stone cold actor top to bottom. Has been since day one, by the way. Oh, heard it here first, folks. Then Tasha bubbles up this little idea that it didn't feel right sending him home. This is the first plant by the producers, because they've told her to say this, that Bennett may be coming back. They put it in right here, because the way she's saying it, sometimes a lead will say, oh, I don't know, I hope I'm making the right choice. They don't ever say, I feel bad about sending him home. That didn't feel right. That idea is now planted. They're going to hit it one more time before they actually do bring him back at the end of this episode. But this is where they first plant that seed in our minds. You know why it didn't feel right? It's because she felt the vibes of when he got in the limo and he smiled like a sociopath. (laughs) I think he smiled because he knew he had done enough to get on Paradise. He felt that this was a good He felt sand between his toes. He put in a good performance. (laughs) And then we cut to a shot of Noah pouring an entire box of Tic Tacs in his mouth. I guess this is meant to make him seem childish. And Tasha walks in and he smiles and she reprimands him. No, don't be smiling. <laughs> that wasn't like a victory for you by any means, she says to him. Meanwhile, Tasha, it literally is. It literally is a victory. Two men enter, one man leaves. One man just left. It was not Noah. Therefore, he wins. Noah also describes... His performance on this date, like a job performance, he's like, I went from consistent growth to now I'm starting over. And Tasha doesn't give him the rose, but he doesn't get kicked off. You got to stick around to the rose ceremony. Now, they got 22 minutes out of this fucking boring ass fake two-on-one date. They have to condense an entire season of Bachelorette into six episodes because Claire Crawley left in episode four, and they wasted 22 minutes on this. I could not fucking believe it. It was like watching paint dry. I've never seen a more boring two-on-one date, maybe in the history of the game. Yeah, no stats, just tattles. Tasha, by the way, is she like the least giver-outer of roses we've ever had? She's not giving out the rose of the two-on-one. She's not giving out the rose of the group dates. Come on, Tasha, commit. That's not Tasha. that's producers saying we need you to have this many roses so we can have some kind of dramatic buildup at the rose ceremony. Otherwise, what are they building to at the end of a fucking episode? Which, by the way, we didn't get a rose ceremony at the end of this episode either. I hate it. So then the guys all come back in for that night's cocktail party and they see Noah sitting there, which means Bennett is gone. 
Noah explains to them he didn't get a rose, but he didn't get sent home. And Tasha comes in and says to them all, she's over the drama. She just wants a good night. And Riley is right there with a drink and he gets the first responder. Very good. By the way, we did see Ed go through the box and start laughing. At least they gave us that. Riley, perfect first responder, getting the drink, getting the first convo. And he does another perfect kiss lead in line here. He is the pro of these. He says, today is our one week anniversary of being boyfriend and girlfriend because he made her sign that contract. And (laughs) kisses her, crinkles her some cake. Happy anniversary. Excellent. I wish he would have pulled out the contract and been like, see, it says right here. We were boyfriend and girlfriend seven days ago. (laughs) Zach C. also crinkles her a photo from their one-on-one wedding photo shoot. That was one of the best days I've had in a long time. I'm ready. Whatever it takes. And I got your back. And they make out hard. That's an original Franco Lacosta print. That's a rose in pocket one-on-one time. R.I.P. because Zaxi already had a rose from his one-on-one date and he's still taking time at the cocktail party. Meanwhile, Noah is worried about turtling, not getting any time at cocktail party. Zaxi knows what he's doing. He is an elevated player this season, to be sure. Mm-hmm. Ben then gets some one-on-one time. They make out by the fountain. Ivan gets some one-on-one time. He says he's ready to be a great husband. Brendan gets some one-on-one time and he asks how she's feeling. This is always how a good you doing? move. You always want to fucking lead with that. She says she's excited about him. He says he's also excited about the whole journey. And anytime he gets with her, makes it all worth it. And he gets a kiss out of it. And then she comes to sit with all the guys. They're talking for a moment. And then (laughs) Joe, 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 Joe comes in to perform her first Dark Lord Harrison function of the evening. And guess what? Joe, 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 Joe does. She drops the fucking ball. She has a I knife. I knew you were going to be mad about this. <laughs> of course. Are you fucking kidding me? Joe, 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 Joe. Are you here to be Dark Lord Harrison or are you not? She walks into this fucking room. She has a knife and a champagne flute in one hand. She never brings knife to glass. There are no tings. This is a zero ting entrance. I don't know if she did the tings and they cut the tings. I don't know if there's ting footage, ting tapes, ting shows. I don't know. But what I saw in the document was Jojo, 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 Jojo entered the room and not do a single fucking ting and instead say, Taisha, it's time for the rose ceremony. And that's it. Jojo, Joe doesn't ting, ting, ting. I believe she does. I believe and correctly so (sighs) that there is missing ting footage. And that they cut it out for some reason, maybe at the behest of DLH, because DLH said, I do the tings around here. DLH said, cut the tings? DLH said, cut the tings. Oh my God. If anyone can get their hands on that uh, (laughs) missing ting footage to prove uh, DLH is sabotaging JoJo, please let us know. (laughs) Let's just go down this path. DLH at this point is an executive (laughs) producer. Don't have a choice. Do we have a choice in any of this? Do we have a choice in any of this? Yes. <laughs> is an executive producer of this program. Therefore, mm-hmm. he has the ability to see every cut, 
to be involved in any kind of a meeting he wants. I don't know how hands-on he is, but he has that power. He has the power to call up your post supervisor. He has the power to call up anybody in the production cycle and say, let me see this, let me hear this, et cetera, et cetera. Again, I don't know how often he does that. Probably not that much. To him, it's probably just keep the money coming. However, we get to this point in the season where he knows that he went to deliver his son to TCU. And he's curious. Let me see what JoJo did. Let's see what she did in my place. He's definitely going to watch those tapes. And he sees her come in. Maybe she makes a big show of it. Ting, 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 ting. And he's like, nah, not on my watch. Cut the fucking tings. And they have to do what he says. I mean, he has a lot of time to think about it when he comes back in quarantines for 14 days. So... Maybe mm-hmm. he did get in touch with them during that period. I just think that's the most likely scenario here for why we literally... Uh. Are, look, I know you believe tings are the funny and maybe likely. they are, but the tings uh. are... They, they're functional in the game. They're a very important part of the game because they are just like a buzzer in basketball or football or hockey. They're like a whistle. It means the play is dead. When the ting happens, that sound means standard play is over for this night in the cocktail party, and it now moves to rose ceremony. The lead leaves and goes to whatever the deliberation room is. Sometimes we see that in older seasons. We almost never do now, but it means whatever you were trying to do that night at the cocktail party, that's done. You got your time. Whatever you did tonight, You did, and if you turtled, you're fucked, and that's just life. Ting, ting, ting. Over. Noah turtled. And she didn't do it. That's like coming into a fucking basketball game, and you know there's fucking two seconds left on the clock, basketball gets passed in, Uh guy takes the shot, ball's bouncing Uh around, no buzzer. Somebody just walks onto the court and goes, guys, um, that's it, no more shooting, okay? That doesn't work. (laughs) Um... May I venture on? <laughs> Please. We get to the rose ceremony fucking mid-episode because they're torturing us. There's only five roses. First flower, Brendan. Second flower goes to Riley for his celebration of their one-week anniversary. Third place goes to our voracious reader, Blake Moines. And, of course... The most culturally important player, maybe in the history of the entire game, Ivan, gets flower number four. And last flower, reserved for producers, goes to Chaos King Noah. We saw it coming. As we said, he was in the promos. We knew he was getting a rose. And of course, the final slot of the rose ceremony is always reserved for the producer pick. They've built up some kind of a dramatic story. Will this person or won't this person get a rose? And it's always the last spot. Here, Noah gets it. And of course, Zach C. already had the rose from his one-on-one. Ben already had his rose from the group date last week. And so, we say goodbye to Spencer, the Fimpros winner, Ed and Damar. And we've got our top seven. Generally, we have the round of six before hometowns. But here we are. And so, the next morning, daybreak. The guys are all in the common room. That's just where they hang out every morning. And Joe, 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 Joe comes in to greet them. She says, next week is hometown week. Tayshia will be meeting your families. Excuse me? <laughs> Joe, Joe, what did you say? Oh, you said it's it was hometowns. hometown 
but hometown means I'm going to my hometown. It means that we're going to our hometowns, right? No, the word has lost all meaning. It now is just the descriptor for a round of this game. This is another element of gameplay that has hit heavy in this episode. We know these guys are not going to hometowns. The word doesn't mean what the word means now in this context. It only means the next round of the game, first round of playoffs. And we are through the fucking looking glass. To be fair, it has meant that before. Chris Souls' season, they're not allowed to travel internationally. So Caitlin's hometown is not in Canada and it's in the U.S. True. But it was in Arizona. So it was at least an implied hometown. They did have to travel somewhere and the family was present in a location that was not where the show was being shot. This shit, <laughs> I don't know what they're going to fucking do. I guess the families are all there. It's going to be at the pool. They're going to scooter over to each family. <laughs> Let's discuss this for a minute too. The logistics of this, because this whole season's a fucking big lie in a million ways. And this is one of the biggest ones. There's seven guys left. Hometowns is next week, which means she's going to cut three of these dudes in next Monday's episode, I guess, to get down to the four. Then do they fly the families in? Because you're supposed to quarantine for two weeks. They fly the top seven families. So you believe the top seven families have been staying there from what? Last week? I do think there is some level of preference and they probably only did the ones that Tasha was like, here's my top five or something. I bet it's top five. These are the three scenarios that are possible. These are the only three. One, as you said, top seven families have been chilling at La Quinta for two weeks already. Two, they know who her top four picks were last week, and they just flew in those four, and they've been there for two weeks. Three, the most likely scenario, they're just going to fly them in the day before and give them a COVID test and fuck quarantine. Do you think they would risk the leads getting COVID at the end? I think they've at least been doing the Deanna Pappas five-day quarantine two tests fine five-day quarantine though isn't two weeks which if it's not two weeks yeah, it's fucking I'm, doesn't matter you know <laughs> i know none of this is okay jojo reminds them about what hometowns is and says this is the week i knew i was falling in love with my fiance jordan when she met that empty chair representing aaron Rodgers. that really did it for her but she also is doing a subtle little hint there that you should be at love level three falling in love at this point these guys needed that, honestly, because this season is so fucking... <laughs> they're bad. <laughs> well, the season two is just such a weird fucking upside down. You don't know where you are in time and space. They're locked in La Quinta. They started the season on some other lead. Now they have to come into a new season, reset their love level clocks, and you don't know how much time you actually have because are they going to shoot more dates? You don't know what they're doing with the rest of the season. You don't know how this is going to play out. In a normal season, if you're a player, you do have some idea of potentially where the production cycle would be. When you're on a group date or a one-on-one, you can be like, okay, this is the first one-on-one, so that's going to air in week two. This is the first group date that's going to air in week two. This is this date. You can kind of tell where you are in the season. And if you have any game understanding of it, you'll be able to like piece out your strategy. In this shit, you have no fucking idea. Literally none. So JoJo is actually helping them here a little bit. So after JoJo... Oh, I don't like that one. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out a new way to say it. 
after Yo 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 leaves a date card for the guys. We find out it's a one-on-one for Ben. And it says falling in love is full of surprises. He goes to prepare for his date. And Ivan says, hey, meeting the families is about to make this shit real. And then Zach C says, yes, it does make it real. My mom and dad are my heroes. And he breaks down into fucking tears in front of the guys. This is not in front of Tasha. This is for the guys and it's for us. This is a second audience and a fourth audience play. A very strong one because it's 100% for TRR and it's vulnerable, which really has been kind of the theme of this entire season. Even Dale Moss, some of his true power beyond his parasocial power was that he opened up to her about a loss of a family member, about the hardships he had had that mirrored her own. I don't think we have ever had a season that is so focused on these dark, heavy PTCs. It's each one of them has more baggage than next. The PTCs are just rewarded with roses in such a like one-to-one way. It is pretty astounding to watch. Except on that group date where it was 200 fucking PTCs fired at once and she was like, fuck, too many. <laughs> I did love this move by Zach C crying. It also punctuated his PTC being like, I'm sitting here because they believed in me. He's really creating a story for himself. And later he'll say a line where he's, well, we'll get to it. And so then Ben emerges from his room where he was getting ready and he walks into the bright sunlight of La Quinta. He meets Tasha. And after a quick hug, yo, 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 rides up to them on a scooter with a little helmet. <laughs> she says, coming in hot. I laughed so hard at this. I was like, I guess this just made the most sense for them to not have her walk down this very long pathway towards them. But it was, I'm trying to conceive of them planning this date and they're like we're gonna have jojo come in on a scooter she's gonna introduce the idea of scooters she says she's set up this fun and amazing oasis but they have to work together to solve clues and there's two scooters around the corner with helmets waiting for them when she came in on this fucking scooter wearing this fucking helmet all i could think to myself was wait a second Did they have this shit planned for Dark Lord Harrison? Was he going to ride in on a fucking scooter in a fucking helmet? We've already seen him on a scooter. He rode on one for Brendan's date. Did not wear a helmet, though. Exactly. What's that about? It's about him being all-powerful. Him being the supreme authority. (laughs) It's about him removing the tings from the tapes. Exactly. When Jojo, 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 Jojo comes in on this scooter wearing the helmet, the helmet implies that she understands she can be injured, that there is danger on this scooter. She is adhering to safety protocols. Dark Lord Harrison doesn't give a shit about a helmet. He doesn't give a shit about COVID. He's taking his son to college and he's coming right back. He's going to jump on a scooter and drive a fucking do wheelies if he wants. This was a weird moment for me. And again, I just tried to put Dark Lord Harrison on that scooter in that helmet in my head and it did not fit. Just another difference between her and the Dark Lord that proves she can't do this job. She can't convey the proper authority. 
You don't wear a fucking helmet on the scooter, there JoJo. There was no authority on that, uh, on that scoop. She explains they're going on this, you know, scavenger hunt type date. They ride around La Quinta finding clues. Ben does some very cutesy physical play here, which I really enjoyed. He kind of goofily kicks her while they're on the scooter. He's demonstrating he can ride a scooter and like flirt at the same time. And he does this sort of physical, these physicality plays with both the tenant, the pool that's filled with tennis balls. He dumps it all over. He does some scooter tricks to jump over these little obstacles. And he does another basic level voluntary nudity play when they get in the fountain, takes his pants off. Now, I'll give you a little secret. I listened to his appearance on Bachelor Happy Hour with Becca Kufrin and mm-hmm. Rachel Lindsay. He admitted that he likes to be naked and that he is an exhibitionist <laughs> and that he actually got jealous of the other guys when they <gasps> went on the strip dodgeball date. He wished he would have been on that date and he basically has been looking for excuses to be naked the whole time. So all of these voluntary <laughs> nudity plays now make much more sense. But I agree with you about the physicality. He plays the physicality game very well. In addition to the voluntary nudity, the kick to her butt when they're on the scooter. It's cute. It's a little love Mm -hmm. tap. It also, though, conveys that he is skilled enough to ride the scooter and do a move like that. Then again, as you're saying, he just lifts this swimming pool up. They're digging through the swimming pool of tennis balls. Oh, is it really in here? He's like, let's just find out. Dumps it over. Fuck this. Not only... Is it a display of physical strength? It's a display of urgency. I don't fuck around. If that thing's in here, I'm fucking finding it. Then he does it again with the fucking pinatas. Yeah, he beast mode's the pinatas too. <laughs> Unbelievable. They fucking swing the stick and they break all the pinatas and then he fucking just tears one open like the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, like he's ripping its throat out. The cactus. Beautiful to watch. Because of what he does later with his emotional strength, I thought he played this one-on-one date. I mean, this day portion is he's fun and he's doing a lot of physical demonstrations of strength and agility. He does a little love level once as he hasn't had feelings for anyone in a long time that he's lost track of time and space in this date with Tasha little hints at feelings behind the walls and then she literally says at the end of this portion she's got to see who he really is if he's going to get that rose tonight so the producers have fed her this line to say this is kind of the dramatic turning point of the date if he's going to get the rose tonight she makes that very clear that she likes him but doesn't know if he's getting the rose that's the drama we're now tuning in for she says he's a tough cookie to crack he wants to take down these walls and i'm thinking she cracked him last week. He did the male PTC bulimia play. I mean, never been done on the show before. Regardless, Ben has more layers to, to unpeel. Dinner portion of the date. Tasha loads love level one. I really like Ben. She tells him, I feel like you're almost too perfect. I know you're holding back. I feel like there's just, like, hurt there, cueing him up. He comes into this dinner, 
and he does something that's a very standard opening play. Any player can do this. Many do it, and it is fine. It's a fine opening play. He says, I'm having real feelings for you, and I'm surprised at how quickly it's happening. This is a very standard surprise at the feelings I'm having opener. She sees through it. That's not enough. And then she goes into exactly what you're saying. I think you're too perfect. I feel that there's hurt there. She is begging for a PTC. Now, what's interesting here is he's already played this fucking groundbreaking PTC. Yes. So she's either so intuitive that she actually knows there's another PTC lying in wait, or the producers have told her that she needs to fucking Mm. draw it out of him because they certainly know this shit. When he says, I've never told anybody this except my sister and the producers and everybody who's behind those cameras right there. Everyone else. Oh, fuck yes. You kidding me? 100%. He had a moment after it where I was like, oh God, I hope like he was ready to do that. I don't know. 100%. He he used that to get on the show for sure. I think he could have just used the bulimia one though. I don't know. Let's, let's just say they already interviewed Zach what, you C. You think he told them shit he hasn't told his sister? Yeah, or maybe he did tell his sister. I don't know how much of that's true, but I think the producers definitely knew about this because like you're saying, every guy this season, it's not just like some standard PTCs about my parents were divorced. Even those are like, not only were my parents divorced, my next dad was a fucking, such a piece of shit, cops had to come and drag him out of the house. Every one of these PTCs is elevated or there are multiple or there are multiple parters. It's like, this is unbelievable. We really have never seen a season with this much tragedy. No. Ben starts getting into cracking his cookie for Tasha. He says he was raised in a house where being perfect was expected. Had to look the part. That he had everything he needed materially, but he was left wanting emotionally. He left home at age 18 and joined the army. And he said he was conditioned to be this person. And would default to what's comfortable, that it's hard to be vulnerable. She keeps pulling it out. We're just talking. He's like, what do you want to know? She's like, are you really close with your family? And Ben says, my sister is the best person I know. Saved my life in more ways than one. And he starts to get into it. 2018 was a rough year. I left a career I thought would be forever. The army didn't work for a number of reasons. I broke my back. Injury PTC. 26 years old. I can barely walk up the steps. I was completely lost. My life was very dark. I didn't know how to say that I needed things. I don't know if you can relate with that. With like that. Only person I confided in was my sister. I guess we can go deep. I had two failed suicide attempts in 2018 and 2019. That's last year. I don't mean to throw that on you. It's a weird thing to do here. My sister doesn't know. I guess she'll know now. I didn't want to be here anymore. I don't like to share. I didn't want to burden anybody with my problems. And I thought the easiest way was to just not be around. Luckily, it didn't work. The only thing that got me through was my sister. And she has no idea. She saved my life. Support for today's episode comes from One Skin. If you have sensitive skin, you're going to want to hear about OneSkin's scientifically proven topical supplements. This is face, eye, body, shield, and it can all be used with any of their other products, which are free from over 1,500 chemicals 
and preservatives that can make skin red, irritated, or itchy. Their products are safe for sensitive skin. It's just one of the reasons they've earned the Skin Safe seal of approval. You got to keep that skin glowing if you want to be keeping up the level of face play that I've got going on. And OneSkin was founded by an all-woman team of scientists. Their products are backed by extensive lab and clinical data to validate their efficacy and safety on all skin types. Uh, Their topical supplements are the easiest way to keep your skin healthy and hydrated without the harsh ingredients or irritation found in other skincare products often. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code ROSES at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code ROSES. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support Gore and tell them that we sent you. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist-recommended This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to Canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Clues. Underwear drawers, they're not organized. They're like the the Wild West, the final frontier of wardrobes. Mm. And there's no rhyme or reason to them. You got... Ones that are super old, uh, different brands, etc. You don't know what to expect. But now I have felt the buttery soft comfort of me undies. And now I want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because those are my now go to. I'm currently wearing their long sleeve shirt and <laughs> my. Um, <laughs> which is not what this uh, ad is about. But I am also wearing the super soft, sustainable modal fabric thong with no roll black waistband. Mm. You want that. You don't want it to be rolling. You don't want it to be showing. And I'm hooked. I don't want to wear anything else. It's all got to go now. Well, this ad actually is kind of about that pace case. Everybody knows MeUndies <laughs> makes great underwear. It's in the name, Me Undies. But it's not just about underwear. You can explore the lounge collection featuring comfy joggers, hoodies, onesies, and a whole bunch more. And their Move Me activewear collection is the softest activewear on the market. There's no doubt about it. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at meundies.com slash roses. That's meundies.com slash roses for 20% off plus free shipping. Meundies. Comfort. From the outside in. 
and I've been very intentional and aggressive with my therapy. The person you see today isn't that person. It's insane that I just told you that because I don't tell people. I was very scared about sharing all those things, and I'm okay. And this very heavy PTC was my... Play, 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 play of the game. It was also my play, 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 play of the game. It was heartbreaking. I don't think that we have, at, at least in Bachelor, we have not seen a suicide attempt PTC. We haven't done the hyper binge of The Bachelorette yet. But a suicide PTC has not happened on the on the Bachelor. I'm pretty sure it didn't happen on the Bachelorette before. So he's doing the first male bulimia PTC and suicide attempt PT- PTC. And don't throw out the breaking of the back. Started this whole. <laughs> That's a fucking crazy injury. That's potentially a life threatening injury that right. leads to a depression that leads to multiple suicide attempts. This is fucking guy is blowing it out of the water. And I know early on, I labeled him a floater. There is no floating happening here now. In the past two episodes, he has voluntary nudityed into a bulimia PTC that fucking destroyed a room full of other high-level PTCs to get a group date <laughs> roast. And now he gets a one-on-one the following week. Again, voluntary nudity that leads to another groundbreaking PTC, which is a double PTC. Technically. And an exclusive PTC. He hasn't even told his sister. He's just telling Tasha. It was timed at exactly the right moment. He has layered this PTC, playing the bulimia part last week, and it gets bigger for his finale, which I assume this is his PTC finale. Maybe he can tell his sister at hometowns and really cap it off eloquently, but... It also gets this response from Tasha. You're okay. I see you and I hear you. That's all I've been wanting. You're an amazing person. He says, I don't want to cry. I appreciate you just being here. That literally means the world to me. She immediately gives him the rose. It was stellar. Easily the best. Uh, not easily. There was another play that was pretty fucking good too, but this one had such weight. And again, it's historic to our knowledge. It just was incredibly impressive. Everything he's done in the past two weeks to me is next level type shit. I hate to say this, but I'm very curious to see him in paradise. That will be happening, I assume. You don't think he's the ring winner? I don't. I believe it's between him and Brendan. I think it is between Ivan and Zach. We will see. What? Oh my God. He gets a kiss out of this. They emerge from the La Quinta ballroom into the night and a little musical act is waiting. They get a private performance. Once you divulge your double suicide attempt on national television, you are rewarded by the show with a little ditty from Adam Hambrick. Now, I went on Instagram immediately and said, who the fuck is Adam Hambrick? And guess what? I was already following him, which means (laughs) he was in some other season of The Bachelor. I don't know when or where, but that is the only thing it can mean. You're just a ham head. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Secretly, I love him. I have never heard of the guy before, but apparently I have. And so he also is now a repeat performer. 
which we've had some others this season. Tina Alorts, for instance. And Franca LaCosta. They make out while they're dancing. Tasha loads Love Level 4 here with Ben. She says, I truly love Ben. And I think it might have been more like, I love him, like, I'm very glad that he's still with us type of yeah. love, love level. But all the same, the words were spoken. Mm, intent counts. I don't think that was the right intent. I think you're correct in reviewing it as it was more of a platonic, generic, I love that he's alive or I love him as a person. I don't think this is a romantic love level raise just yet. Then back to the common room where Blake and Noah are discussing their prospects about going on the group date. Blake says he doesn't want to be on the group date because he's had no one-on-one time with her. So the group date card comes and we find out it is Zach, Brendan, Ivan, Noah, Riley, which means Blake does get the one-on-one by default. And the card says, the truth is that I'm falling in love. And then right before commercial, DLH himself narrates a suicide prevention hotline title card that ends this segment. And we are left with a very serious moment. And I am left wondering, is this show turning a fucking corner? Is this the season where we really are getting into some new shit with our show where they're talking about race issues where they're talking about mental health issues i think that's part of the like ptc overload is that they're telling these stories and allowing things to air that they wouldn't have in the past we've had many seasons where a bunch of the players don't play ptcs they just raise love levels and that's it and you just see them talk about their relationship over and over again we barely have a PTC list player. I mean, I don't think Noah has played one, but that's it. It has something to do, I think, with the age of these players because they were all cast to be age appropriate for Claire. They've led lives that are a little longer than the normal average uh, player age, except they can for Noah. Complete five acts. <laughs> exactly. Noah's a little younger. He's the youngest one of them, so could have something to do with it. But an interesting season so far because of these things. During the commercial break, there was a little promotional video for the upcoming season of The Bachelor, starring Matt James. We see him without a shirt. We see some of the women, et cetera, et cetera. The thing I took away from this promo was a shot of the Dark Lord smiling in the night, and there is a fucking shine in the man's eye once again. I can't wait to see him back on his game. Whatever's happening in Nemecolon, that motherfucker loves it. And it's going to be a pleasure to watch him do his job again. The way that you study the micro expressions of Dark Lord Harrison is a thing of beauty and also <laughs> haunting and terrifying. By the way, the That's thing I that I took away from this promo was I've already seen this promo a million times. I, uh, Backed up and rewatched it again. I cannot not watch the Matt James promos whenever they come on. It is maybe this is my scream. <laughs> it just looks like a good normal season again. It looks like we're getting the show back, even though it's not at the mansion, all that kind of stuff. It's like the pieces seem right, the dates yeah. seem right, the way the players are playing seems right, and I think there might be something to be said for the fact that Tasha's season, Claire Tasha's season, whatever you want to call it. It started at kind of the beginning of the pandemic. We were only a couple months in. People still didn't really know if it was safe. 
There was a fear about it that probably didn't exist by the time you get to Matt James season. You've already got Matt James and Tyler Cameron are throwing fucking COVID parties. Everybody in Bachelor Nation is out doing their COVID picnics. No one gives a shit about it anymore. By the time they're shooting, I think people were like lax and just fucking ready to party. Whereas in this season, people were pent up and like, fuck, is this... Can we be doing this still? Mm-hmm. Even the production didn't really know what the fuck was going on or how to even shoot it. By the time they get to Matt James' season, they've already done a full season at La Quinta. They learned a lot from this season, I yeah. think. I think the heat was also a huge, huge factor. Absolutely. It totally fucked with what dates are able to do and them all looking sweaty all the time. It's just not a, it's not a clean look. Speaking of sweaty dates... We get the group date next. It is the lie detector. The men come into the (laughs) ballroom where they have set up all of the group dates. And it's just Jojo sitting alone at a laptop. And Tasha says, that's a polygraph test. There's green, orange, and red bulbs to say if you're telling the truth or not. This seems completely fake. Also something they do is they play the lie sound when it flashes orange which is supposed to mean that they can't determine it they're just trying to make it seem like they're all liars none of this is real the producers are controlling the light bulbs to generate whatever the fucking story (laughs) is that they want to generate for whichever the players literally none of this is real the best thing that can come out of this is a kind of panoptic effect where a player will be asked a question and just because there's the threat of possibly being found out to be lying about the answer, they will tell the truth. But this lie detector isn't real. By the way, something that Clues said when we were watching this part, he said, to me, this is the, this is the worst type of date. It's just like a ghost date, which is, for Clues, it's the worst type of thing you could say about a date that it's resembling when they have to pretend there's ghosts. If I was on this fucking date and I sat down and whatever the question is, as soon as it buzzes, fucking orange or red, I would just be like, no, the producers right over there are pressing buttons to make this happen, to make me look whatever way they want to look. These things, Tasha answers some bullshit questions about falling in love and future husband, ding, 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 all green lights. Ivan gets a pass on easy questions. Noah lies about women faking orgasms. Ha 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 ha. He's the fool. Of course, they're going to give him these questions and make it buzz wrong. And then Brendan, for whatever fucking reason, gets these questions about meeting families and are you ready for this? And they fucking buzz him on that. So they've now built that story into his lie detector test and he's going to have to overcome that. It will be an obstacle for him later in this episode, but also next week. And of course, Zach gets the panoptic effect, just what I was talking about. Have you ever cheated on someone? He says, yes. This raises Tasha's eyebrows. And it turns out, no matter what the truth of this play is, it's a very good fucking play. And we'll get to that second part in a moment. Another thing they set up is also that Riley says his name is Devin Riley Christian, and there's a red light. <laughs> and I thought he was just doing Clues' experimental strategy where you just lie about everything and you say... That's not my name. Like, you just lie about your name. You lie about everything. So none of it is accurate. Um, <laughs> I guess you would have been doing that. <laughs> but that sets up a Riley nothing story as well. We get the group date after party drinks. Zach C. gets the BP. He's the bachelorette's preference. She pulls him first. 
And Tasha says, when you admitted you had cheated in the past, I wasn't expecting that. It doesn't sit with me. It's nothing I will tolerate. It's the reason my marriage ended. I cannot invest in someone again and have that happen. And then he does a very beautiful move. It's very beautiful. He starts (laughs) slow rolling the explanation of the cheating that he described. Well, I was with a girlfriend at the time and I found myself with another girl at Bolo-Rama, French kissing her. I was in the sixth grade. Tasha's face lights up. You asshole. This is the tone. Are you telling me there was nothing else? Nothing else. I swear that's what it was, but it's very important to me. Fidelity, blah, 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 blah. So one of two things is true here. One, he actually did perform these events and does consider it cheating, but knows it's kind of a joke, and he set it all up in the lie detector. Or he's lying now that he has cheated, and the lie detector said green when he said that. So he really has cheated in a real way, had sex outside of some monogamous relationship. But now, because there's no lie detector, he can do whatever the fuck he wants. So he brings this story up. He tells this weird story about childhood French kissing another girl that wasn't his girlfriend at Bolorama, and she buys it. One of those two things is true. Either way, fucking huge. And he says, furthermore, that he hated the lie detector test because he got a question about falling in love with Tasha. And he had to answer it, yes. And he wanted that to happen in a more intimate setting. He raises his love level three to her right here again, even though he was forced to do it on the group date. And she loves this. He says, I am falling for you. And Taisha LL3 is back. She says, I'm falling in love with you too. And this was an outstanding play that spanned the beginning of the group date all the way to the fucking after party. And he got her to LL3 him. That's an extremely hard thing to do. He played his LL3 at the exact right time in this moment that is coming off of a joke, but then he turns it to a moment of seriousness by saying, I wish I could have done that in a more intimate setting because it means so much to me. And now Zach is also in the lead for love levels. Nobody else is at this love level three yet, so he's out front of everybody. It was a beautiful play. This was my second place for play of the game. The suicide PTCs were just too powerful, but this was exquisite play, very high level, and had Ben not been on his triple A game, whatever the fuck you want to call what he did this week, had he not done any of that, Zach walks away with play the game for sure. We get some one-on-one time with Noah, he's complimenting her. We have Ivan briefly says, I've only loved one girl, that's how I feel about you already. Sort of another sort of fake love level four raise. And Brendan, we see this conversation about how the test was inconclusive about meeting families. Tasha goes to each of them, by the way, and it's like her first question is like, so this came up at the lie detector thing. Explain yourself. He said, I'm so excited for you to meet my family, but they've seen me propose and the wedding and the marriage and felt that divorce proposing to someone again I want it to be the last time I do that so he turns this around hits his divorce PTC again which is a parallel PTC for Tasha. she's like I don't want to introduce people to my parents they went through that divorce also and she tells him that he's someone that she really likes love level one and Brendan loads love level two says 
I'm really having these feelings and potentially falling in love with her. Starting to maybe fall. He's at a love level two. The love level two is rare, but it is played. It is used in our beloved game. And here it was used in his ITM. And then we see Riley sitting with the other guys in the common area. And he's telling them that he's going to have to tell her some shit about his family if she's going to meet them. And then Riley goes into the shadows by himself and sheds (laughs) tears in silhouette. And we wonder, what is this dark shit about his family after we have just been hit over the head with PTC after PTC after PTC? What now? He goes to explain this to Tasha. Basically, although the vibe has been that maybe he's killed, he reveals that the actual thing is that he changed his name legally because he found some things out about his dad and he was named after his dad. He says a weird phrase about his dad. He says, he took some things from my mom that didn't belong to him outright. And then he says that the dad got sole custody of him and his brother. Is that what Does he's that talking custody? about? custody? I don't know. It was, there was a vague haziness around what he was talking about. All I really got out of it was that his dad was kind of a shithead. He wound up having to repair a, an estranged relationship with his mother. And now he loves his dad. But he ultimately realized he has to start over, so he changed his name and worked hard to become the person he is. Then he apologizes, has some tears to seal the deal, and they get a kiss. Yeah, great work with the tears, but he's not playing the levels of his PTC correctly. He kind of played the most intense part early on, and now he's coming in with the like name change detail, which doesn't it doesn't resonate, and they've he's setting up these like huge walls with Tasha as if there's like some horrible thing and It's just kind of like an additional fact about his main PTC he played weeks ago. And unfortunately, he just doesn't have the information to know what these other PTCs are that are being played in private. Had he known what Ben's PTC was on that one-on-one day? I mean, I don't even know if you bring up the name change thing. Like, I don't even think that's on the table. No, you make something up at that point. (laughs) Whip out another contract and have her sign it. Yeah. Riley. He's he's doing this well, the seriousness, but it's it feels very heavy. And I'm like, he needs to pull out some lighthearted shit. He needs to be doing a one one foot kick off the scooter like uh, Ben. Zach C does a line here when all the guys are like, well, you know, that was the group date. I wonder who she's going to give the group date rose to. He says, I left it all on the field. If I don't get it, it won't be for lack of honesty or lack of trying. These are some of my favorite moments because I know there are people who watch this show and don't think it's a game. And when people literally say things like that, how can you not think that? He thinks it's a game. Zach thinks it's a game. Or he wouldn't say this. And I know it may be a subconscious thing, a Freudian slip, whatever. Fine. Somewhere in that man's mind, he's leaving shit on a field while he's having these conversations. (laughs) That means there is a competitive spirit to it, and he understands the game mechanics. That's exactly what he's talking about. Being honest and open and saying your PTCs, that's part of this game. That is leaving it on the field. We're leaving it on the bowling alley at Bowlerama. He doesn't get a strike, though. Tasha comes back, picks up the group date rose, says she's had a lot of impactful conversations, but she needs a little more time. And she says, hope you guys are okay with that. This moment is very significant. It may seem like a throwaway moment, 
but she gives this blanket kind of you all did good speech and then right when she says are you guys all okay with me not giving this rose out there is a moment that they put in the fucking document where she looks at them all in the eye waiting for any one of them to be like uh actually i i have a little problem with that you should be giving the rose out now she's looking for somebody to hang themselves here because leads are always looking for a reason to get rid of you if they can justify a dismissal and it makes them look okay in doing it they will take that opportunity every time so she is engineering a little moment here where she wants somebody to be the dissenter but of course none of them do it And this to me was slightly surprising that the level of general play of the entire group is high enough to avoid this trap that she's setting for them. What could you say, though? Though I think you should give it out. I feel like it's a low-level trap. (laughs) It is a low-level trap, but it's not even that you would say anything. She's looking at their faces. She's looking at their expressions. But Mm. every one of them was enthusiastically supportive of her decision. Oh, absolutely. Whatever you need. You just take your time. They all did that. There wasn't one sour grapes face. So she rises (laughs) from the chair and goes back to her suite. And just as she's about to enter it, Tisha. She turns around and waiting in the shadows is Bennett. (laughs) Oh my God. Fucking Bennett resurrection. This is when a player comes back after they've been dismissed. And of course, Bennett is going to pull a resurrection here. The man loves screen time. The man loves screen time. Screen time loves the man. Resurrections don't happen because of the player. The producers set those up every time, all the time. The the player cannot do it by themselves. They, in fact, must be invited to do it by a producer. And then the producers must orchestrate the meeting. I mean, he's at her house. We know how difficult it is to find her house. (laughs) Ed's wanderings. It's, I don't know. He's just really starting to creep me out here. Absolutely. He comes into her El Presidente suite and he compliments how fresh the place smells. Immediately terrifying. He says, I first wanted to tell you I'm so sorry. I'm so, so, so sorry for making you think I question your integrity or decision-making ability. So far, not new information. He already said that in his goodbye. The least of our in- my intentions. Our goodbye was sur- bizarre, so surreal. I couldn't even fathom what happened. And then I was thinking of all these things I hadn't been able to share with you. And I realized in that moment that I love you. But it does a resurrection love level four here. Have we ever seen it? No, I don't think so. Not in The Bachelor anyway. Maybe it happened in Bachelorette somewhere, but we did not see anything like this in The Bachelor. This is back from the dead with a bolt of thunder given to you by Zeus himself. These producers... (laughs) Say, hey, Bennett, we're going to bring you back and we want you to go in there and tell her you love her. Bennett does not love her. He never did. She doesn't care about what he's saying either. This is all producer manufactured, but it's a huge play for paradise. This is all third audience game. He's showing the producers he is game. He will do whatever the fuck they want. It doesn't matter how crazy this shit is. This shit is crazy. Let's be real. This is fucking bonkers. Hi, I know you just kicked me off, but I love you. I'm waiting in the shadows for you to return after fucking cocktail party. It's like, come on. Please smells fresh. So she said she doesn't know what to say. She's very confused, doesn't know what's happening right now. And he keeps saying, 
I'm not expecting any answers or an epiphany. And he clasps her hand. He says, I'm dead serious about you. I will kill. And Tasia's like, I don't know how to process this. I need a night. Tomorrow I'll let you know. And he says, perfectly fine, thank you. He just wanted more time. I would have said, well played, Bennett. He is getting the time that he wants, but... Well, he gets a few more little inches, too, though. He inches a little closer to something. He leans in and gives her a kiss on the cheek. And then she even says, you can give me a hug. He gets the hug. That's where you end it, Bennett. You got that far. Get the fuck out. Take your win and go home. He does not take the win and go home. He should have left immediately as soon as he got the extension for time. But he goes for the fucking kiss. And this was my... Error, 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 error of the game. He got the time. You slip out after that. Why would you stay? Why Why would you stay? Why would you try to make out? You can't read the room because you're a sociopath. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm not a doctor. I don't know if I'm that far, but <laughs> let me tell you why I didn't give it an error. And I gave no error this week because I thought everybody played bare minimum. Nobody really made a mistake. Like people are going to get kicked off, whatever, but nobody made a mistake. Jojo? I don't think. Jojo ain't a player, unfortunately, but Jojo, you know, the producers get the error of the week, I guess, for bringing Jojo in to try and replace the Dark Lord. <sighs> but what Bennett did here, I don't think was an error because he's coming in protected by the armor of the gods. The producers have brought him back. He has nothing to lose. If he gets kicked off right there, fine. They've told him he to go in and He has something to this. lose, though. He got a night there. He gets to go in and fucking see Noah's face again. But I think that's going to happen regardless. I think he goes for broke here. Because if he can get that kiss, that's even better TV. It's even more screen time. And if he doesn't, fine. He looks like a fool in that moment. No harm, no foul. He walks out. I don't think you ever want to go for a kiss that's going to be rejected. I think in general, it's, it's not good. It makes them remember recoiling and associate that with your face. Of course. Yes, absolutely agree 100%. A rejected kiss is bad in every case. He didn't know it was going to be rejected, though. I don't think he was leaning into that being like, well, she's going to reject this, and this will be great for me. I think he was like, let me see if I can get this. He went a step too far because he really is at this point just fucking like, fuck it. I'm going to tear this game apart. He already assaulted her when he did the non-consensual eye mask kiss, so maybe I'm letting that cloud my judgment on this. But no, I think it was an error. I, re- I retract that. I don't. It's definitely an error permanently. I conclude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying what he's doing is morally correct. I'm saying within the structure of our beloved game, as it stands right now, I think Bennett's play is I want to be on paradise in the first five sands. And the more outrageous shit he can do now, the better off he'll be for paradise. Oh, he gets it. He's like, when you think about paradise, you're like, he's first up. Well, I guess maybe Ben or one of the top top guys. But um, Tasha explains why she's giving him this 
second chance as I've always wanted a guy to show up for me like that. And it's been a long time since I've heard the words, I love you. And it means absolutely everything. It's like, okay, she believes that he loves her. No, it's all (sighs) acting. He doesn't love her. She doesn't believe that he loves her. And she's using Claire's fucking line about showing up. I don't understand how that transferred from Claire to Tasha. They both are just looking for guys to show up. Like this, will, We can slot her in because she's got the same catchphrase as Claire. <laughs> and we conclude that episode. We don't get to see the rose ceremony. We don't get to see Bennett reconvene with young Noah. We get a tag of Tasha giving Ed a mask, and he reveals that he gets Botox every three months. And that's his skincare regime. Regiment. And that was it for this week's big game. It was tough this week. I had two possible MVPs, but this week, Ben was my MMMMVP. Ben was also my. M M M M V P Zach C was a close-ish second place to me for his lie detector infidelity joke sixth grade story, but Ben just continues to demolish people. That PTC that he played was unfucking believable especially on the heels of a PTC last week that was equally unbelievable. The man is yeah. setting a new bar every week. I mean, I don't think I've ever given the same player play of the game and MVP two weeks in a row, but he played the perfect one-on-one date. It was light and fun, him doing all this cutesy shit, this mini voluntary nudity play in the fountain. Then he does the most intense set of PTCs at exactly the right time. Perfectly timed PTC, perfectly executed, makes her drag it out of him so she feels like she's accomplished this thing. He also says that it's exclusive, that not even his sister knows, so he's doing this big reveal on national television. And he put on a display of physical strength when he's tearing apart pinatas and flipping over swimming pools. It was just really a sight to behold. It It is hard for me to remember a better single date, like you're saying. It was a great, great fucking play from this guy this week, and I'm looking very forward to seeing what he does in hometowns. Will we get to see the sister? We got to see the sister. They've loaded her. So we'll see. We'll see next week. But this week, kind of a lackluster episode with a couple of bright spot performances from Ben and Zach, and mm-hmm. Bennett is sticking around. So. The producers are, at this point, grasping at straws, I feel like, in terms of trying to generate some form of drama for the next week or two. I mean, we're going to see literally more of the exact same. Maybe he's got another gift for Noah. He brings gifts for everyone that are just attacks. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody wakes up and they come into the common room and there are little boxes for each of them. Oh, my God. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for the breakdown of this week's game. We will be back this Friday with This Week in Bachelor Nation, where we're going to be covering all the Bachelor Nation news. We're going to be doing our screams from the pit. 
Parasocial Plays of the Week. We'll be covering the Cheez-It art piece of Dark Lord Harrison. We'll be covering Tyler Cameron's new merch. <laughs> we'll be covering a new pregnancy. And there's still 48 more hours left in Bachelor Nation before we record that, so who knows? Many things could still happen. Thank you, as always, for sending us these beautiful tids. Speaking of the Dark Lord Harrison Cheez-It tid, that was the tid of the week. Number one tid. For sure. Number one tid. That tid, I got that tid sent to me probably 10 million times, and I looked at it, and I enjoyed it every one of those times. (laughs) Thank you to everyone who has rated and reviewed the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. They help with the algorithm and people finding the show and also are greatly entertaining. And if you're listening to this podcast and you don't follow us on Instagram, you should definitely follow Game of Roses Pod on Instagram. We are trying to boost our numbers in the real way. Not like Tia Booth did to reach the One Million Club this week by buying them and doing (laughs) loop promotions. And just to let you guys know, we are doing a live pre-show on our Patreon, www.patreon.com slash Game of Roses, where we've been answering questions, listening to people's screams, um, and discussing other ancillary material and that's at 7 30 p.m pacific time before every episode and next monday on our patreon we're going to be releasing an exclusive episode where we break down the rookie season of Tasha adams you heard me right that's season 23 of the bachelor starring colton underwood we're going to get into all the plays she made that season that took her all the way to third place and of course eventually wound up getting the crown placed upon her head it's going to be a amazing episode and we will discuss whether she was asking people to show up before she wore the crown and as always before we go What is that dwab at? It has been 6,834 days without a Black Bachelor. Praise be Lord Harrison. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in... um 
mystery body problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle, uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by get this 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact, mm. they have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the... Tighter skin guarantee you with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.